Welcome once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you in the wee hours of September 24th from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side. And with all of the horrors in the global headlines that urgently demand our attention, we are nonetheless continuing in our New York groove on the Counter Vortex podcast for a second week. Because there's something I really need to get off my chest. I've written up a response to um, all of the uh, increasingly vitriolic online anti-bicycle campaigning. <clears throat> a lot of it on social media, but also in the, uh, the pages of the Village Sun. Local neighborhood newspaper here in Lower Manhattan on their coverage of a man by the name of Gavin Lee in the comments section, <clears throat> who was killed by a bicyclist up in Chelsea. And while I don't mean to um, dismiss the fears of pedestrians, the uh, propagandistic response to his death has been kind of ugly and dishonest. So I've written up a little response here, which is actually going to be appearing on the website of the Village Sun, and also is going to be, I hope, appearing in the uh, the next print edition. They've just launched a print edition. So hopefully this piece will be in um, their second print edition, which will be out shortly. But first, here's the, uh, the audio version of it as a sneak preview for Counter Vortex podcast listeners. Forthwith. Against the anti-bicycle backlash. Two all-too-telling recent incidents. On the afternoon of August 31st, I was biking down the Bowery. And as I passed Broom Street, I saw an elderly man lying in the road with a small group of passers-by gathered around him. A Chinese gentleman, probably in his 70s, with his hands on his heart, crying in pain, a look of shock and disbelief on his face. He had evidently been struck by a car, breaking one of his legs. The driver stayed on the scene, and I was told that an ambulance was on the way. I retrieved the old man's glasses, which were thrown several yards away, placed them beside his head, and rode on. I don't know what became of the old man, and as far as I know, the horrifying incident never received any media coverage. Just another example of the daily terror of the private automobile that we all accept as normal. The next day, I was about to hop on my bike for my daily errands around the Lower East Side, and one of my tires was flat. To my infuriation, the offending object proved to be attack. I assume some anti-bicycle vigilante was putting tacks in the bike lanes. This has happened to me once before, with staples sprinkled on the Manhattan Bridge catwalk, similarly giving me a flat a couple of years ago. Such vigilantism has actually won some media coverage, with CBS New York in January 2019 reporting of a 
backlash against bicycles after shards of glass were found sprinkled on Greenwich Village bike lanes. What is driving this backlash was poignantly crystallized by the killing of Chelsea resident, finance entrepreneur, and Singaporean immigrant Gavin Lee, 44, by a hit-and-run bicyclist while crossing 8th Avenue on August 11th. As a bicyclist, the first thing I must say about this is shame, shame, shame on the bicyclist in this case, who was emulating the very worst behavior of motorists. I appeal to him to come forward and face the consequences of his actions. And if it turns out to have been a delivery worker, there should also be legal consequences for the employer, or app, pressuring the cyclist to put speed ahead of safety. A question that has received little consideration in this age of instant online gratification. But the exploitation of Lee's death by anti-bicycle internet partisans has been unseemly. The selectivity of their outrage betrays its utter hypocrisy. Gavin Lee was the first New Yorker killed by a bicyclist since 2019. Over 255 were killed by motorists in the city last year. An average of 230 people have been killed by motorists each year since 2013, the year before Mayor Bill de Blasio initiated his Vision Zero plan to eliminate traffic deaths entirely. Despite this dismal record, Vision Zero is not so utopian as it seems. Zero annual traffic fatalities has already been achieved over the past years by European cities, including Oslo and Helsinki. Obviously, these are much smaller cities than New York. But there is a cultural factor at work here as well. The quotidian terror of the automobile on the streets of New York did briefly get a human face after the June 2019 death of Robin Heitman, a 20-year-old bicycle messenger who was run down by a truck on 6th Avenue. Her death among three slayings of bicyclists within a one-week period sparked protests that summer, including a die-in by bike messengers in Washington Square Park. But overwhelmingly, the near-daily casualties of automotive terror on our streets rate but a brief nod of attention from the media, and then their names go forever down the memory hole. Here are a few examples just from the past months. On August 14th, B. Tran, 74, a DoorDash delivery driver and provider for an extended family of Vietnamese immigrants, was killed by a hit-and-run motorist in Ridgewood, Queens. On July 27th, 
Carling Mott, 28, a production manager for Nickelodeon, was killed by a truck while riding to work on a city bike on Manhattan's Upper East Side. No charges were brought against the truck driver. On July 3rd, Christian Catalan, 21-year-old delivery worker, was killed by a hit-and-run driver in the Bronx. On June 25th, Lynn Christopher, a 67-year-old grandmother, was killed while crossing a street with her 8-year-old grandson in Brooklyn's Bedford-Stuyvesant. The grandson was critically injured. The motorist, who was arrested, had apparently been attempting to flee a traffic stop. On May 6th, Karina Larino, 38, a mother, an MTA stock worker, was killed by an SUV while crossing an intersection in Astoria, Queens. The driver was charged for failure to yield. On May 5th, Eric Selitsky, 35, an idealistic architect who had designed multi-faith worship spaces with the firm ESKW Architects, was struck by a garbage truck while riding his bicycle in Borough Park, Brooklyn. The truck driver fled the scene. And on May 2nd, 21-year-old NYU student Rife Milligan was killed by an apparently drunk driver while crossing Houston Street in the East Village. The motorist was charged with driving under the influence. Nor are we safe from automotive terror while on the sidewalks or even in the parks as demonstrated by the August 16th incident, in which a motorist actually drove through Tompkins Square before crashing into a fence. But all this is accepted as normal, the inevitable cost of transportation. For anti-bike partisans, it is only the rare case of a pedestrian casualty of a reckless bicyclist that merits opprobrium. Reckless bicycling is a problem, and one that we bicyclists need to take responsibility for. But it also needs to be seen in context. Domination of the streets by toxin-belching death machines that forces bicyclists into a Darwinian struggle. An analogy can be drawn to the Zaporizhia nuclear plant in Ukraine, held by Russian forces and repeatedly coming under bombardment, the Russians and Ukrainians have blamed each other for the shelling. Kiev charges Russia with using the facility as a shield from which to fire missiles on Ukrainian-held areas. If this is the case, then even if the Ukrainians have shelled the facility, the blame ultimately lies with the Russians. Now, bicyclists in New York are not faced with any moral dilemma, such as that of Ukrainians under enemy shelling from a nuclear plant. And contrary to the French saying that to understand all is to forgive all, context does not let anyone off the hook for their actions. I repeat my call for the killer of Gavin Lee to surrender. But this doesn't alter the fact 
that bad bicyclist behavior is rooted in a system designed to accommodate the automobile and an atmosphere in which reckless motorists overwhelmingly have impunity. Nor does it alter the reality that bicyclists are an oppressed and stigmatized class in New York City. And this is all the more perverse, given that bicyclists ultimately represent a big part of the solution to our urban and global dystopias. The quote attributed to H.G. Wells, Every time I see an adult on a bicycle, I no longer despair for the future of the human race, holds even greater truth a century and a quarter later as we face devastating destabilization of the planet's climate. The efforts to accommodate bicyclists put in place by City Transportation Commissioner Jeanette Sadiq Khan during the Bloomberg administration, following years of activist pressure and since expanded on, are only problematic inasmuch as they don't go nearly far enough. For instance, bicycle lanes seem to have conditioned some motorists to view cyclists outside the lanes as fair game for roadkill, even on streets that don't have bike lanes. A dramatic and thoroughgoing reworking of the city's entire transportation infrastructure to ultimately phase out cars altogether and make bicycle traffic the norm, this is what is urgently mandated. In a rational city, the streets would be filled with bicycles, as they were in China before its capitalist conversion a generation ago. The dedicated lanes would be for the few cars that would remain necessary, such as emergency vehicles, and for public transportation, whether buses or trolleys. And these few cars, ideally, would be electric not burning fossil fuels. In such a system, buses and ambulances would move far more freely and rapidly, rather than being mired in gridlock. And getting there begins with expanding the space dedicated to bicyclists. Far from giving up an inch of our hard-won space, we intend to fight for more, much more. Traffic fatalities in the United States, which dramatically dropped during the pandemic lockdown two years ago, have since soared to a 20-year high of 46,000 last year, reversing a downward trend since the 1970s. The current zeitgeist of recklessness certainly isn't confined to bicyclists. Turning this around begins with dethroning the cult of the private automobile. In New York City and on planet Earth, bicyclists represent the future, if there is one. And you intransigent bike haters and motorheads who are petitioning against bike lanes and resorting to dangerous vigilantism As the Sex Pistols once sang, no future for you. It's just a question of whether you're going to drag down the rest of us with you. We bicyclists intend to fight you for all we're worth. 
by demanding our right to public space in defiance of your normalized terror. See you in the streets. So there you go, a sneak preview of uh, my upcoming story in the Village Sun, which will hopefully be in their second print edition in uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, One thing that I would add, but didn't include because the piece was already over word count, but um, I can add here in the podcast, is what's making everything worse in terms of the dangerous conditions on the streets is that all three categories, motorists, bicyclists, and pedestrians alike, are paying more damn attention to their smartphones than to where the fuck they're going. And it seems like there is just one exception in the whole damn city. Me, Bill Weinberg. I still intransigently refuse to carry one of those damn things around with me at all. So I want to know, when is there going to be a backlash against smartphones? Now, there's a backlash I would be totally down with. This has been Bill Weinberg on the Counter Vortex. Please check us out online at countervortex.org. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash countervortex. We've got 44 subscribers, kind of uh, been plateaued out. You know, uh, we kind of accrued a bunch more subscribers over a period of a few months and then plateaued out at 44. I need dental work. Let's get a few more subscribers just for a buck or two per weekly podcast. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. And rant on you next time. If I haven't been mowed down by a truck.